You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And belly on up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name's Chris. He's Ed. He's actually not at the nine-foot homemade oak bar, though. We're doing no, something I'm through not. The, the magic of uh, the internet. Uh, Ed is over at his house today while we're recording. You are spending the entire day overseeing work. You've got guys putting in flooring. So when Ed speaks, if you hear drilling, hammering, or any type of explosions going on, it's because he has his entire house under construction. I mean, you're like... You're, what, what was that, that Tom Hanks movie, Money Pit? That's what it sounds like is going on over at your place right now. It's either that or Monty Python and the Holy Grail when they're when they're making the Trojan rabbit. <laughs> oh, the only thing that's missing is, is some squeaking noises, the random <laughs> from a cat, and some broken glass. And if I hear those two things, I'm, I'm going to have to stop what we're doing and go check it out. Well, what was so funny was, as we were doing this, I was like, ah, we, we'll just pretend we're at the bar. Nobody will know. And then, like, right away... I start hearing the noise in the background. I'm like, well, there's no way we're covering that up. Now, what's funny is after I brought it up for the next half hour, they'll only use their power tools when I'm talking and nobody will hear it. And nobody will be like, what the hell were they talking about? I didn't hear a thing. So we'll see how this goes for the next 30 minutes. Okay. And it's all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. They were named the South Town's best in 2021 and they are fast expanding. You heard the commercial at the beginning of the show. They are hosting an installer job fair February 26th. That's a Saturday, 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. in Evergreen Park. Find out what they do, why they do it, the services they provide, and see whether or not you got a career waiting for you at Family Waterproofing Solutions. Excellent benefit packages available. No sign-up necessary for this event. Just bring your valid driver's license Saturday, February 26th. Learn more at FamilyDry.com. The day this episode comes out, The Hall of Fame is going to announce who the writers are putting in. It's going to be a big deal. And it kind of coincides with the fact that our our good friends at SoxOn35th.com, where you'll hear this podcast, we're not only at Sox in the Basement and on every podcast player, but in every article on SoxOn35th.com, there's a player in which you can click the button and listen to Sox in the Basement. They had like a fan vote, Ed. They also did the contributors the fans put in Mark Burley and only Mark Burley. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> of all fans polled in a random poll of all the guys on the ballot, uh, those that read Sox on 35th only put in Mark Burley, which I thought was hysterical. So you're saying that Sox on 35th's readership is a bit of a Homer crowd. Little bit. A little bit of a Homer crowd. That's this okay. Is, That's oh, okay. That's what we want. We were included in the contributors section. Yes, we were. And I kind of wanted to go through it uh, just for fun today. I mean, what else are we going to do? We're in the middle of a lockout. I mean, Bob Nightingale is saying something happened on Monday, and that's exciting. I mean, the union finally realized they were not going to get free agency any earlier. I think everybody saw that. They finally understood it. That's a good thing. And they reduced their revenue sharing request from $100 million to about $30 million. So it sounds like the union is starting to realize the owners aren't going to give them very much. So now it's kind of like, ah. Eh, Okay, that first proposal, that was our joke proposal. Here's our real one. Like, (laughs) things are not going well. Just kidding. We kid. Come on, guys. Jerry, Jerry, crack a smile, buddy. Come on. (laughs) 
I mean, things are not going well at the table right now for labor. You know, it's never a good thing when I see a report like, well, uh, the one side uh, got rid of some of the things they were asking for. The other side really hasn't changed very much. Like that, that shows right there. There's a little bit more leverage, I think, that the owners have. And I still think that we're going to start on time uh, with Major League Baseball, although it may cut into the beginning of spring training. But we'll see what happens. At least something is happening. But while we're waiting for that, I figure let's dive into the Hall of Fame vote. There's a, there's a lot of discussion we can have on this. So the overall totals before we get to who we voted in. Uh, from all the contributors at Saxon 35th. Like I said, the, the fans put in Burley, and that was it. Three players get elected into the Hall of Fame when it comes to the Saxon 35th writers and the two podcasters, us. Barry Bonds, David Ortiz, and Roger Clemens. The guys that got close but no cigar, Todd Helton, Mark Burley, Scott Rowland. And that's about it. A- after that, it really yeah. kind of drops off of a cliff a little bit. But those were the most popular guys on the ballots of all the writers at Saxon 35th and then Ed and myself. So do you want to break down who you voted for first? I'd like to hear your stuff first. I knew that Barry Bonds was going to be popular with everybody, and, I, and he was on my my ballot as well. And I had the Homer call of Mark Burley, but I, uh, you know, I, I did not like Clemens. I did have Todd Helton. I had Jeff Kent. I had... David Ortiz, of course, and, you know, from there, I kind of figured, like, if you're going to put in Burley, you got to give consideration to Andy Pettit. They had very similar careers. Gary Sheffield, who I think is criminally underrated as far as people are concerned, that pretty much rounds out my ballot. I did not like the Roger Clemens thing because I just, if you're going to talk to me about the PED stuff, my issue with Roger Clemens is that he was a flash in the pan until that portion of his career started. And a lot of, I think, when people talk about Roger Clemens being a great pitcher, they talk about Toronto and the Yankees and then ending his career with the Astros. They don't talk about most of his Red Sox career, which was good as a rookie, really good, and then fell off. I love that noise in the background. It's it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It sounds like they're putting in the floor right above your head at this point. What kind of floors yeah, they are they? They very well could be putting the floor in above my head at this point, or <laughs> or they're just building a case against Roger Clemens for me. That's, that's what's going on behind you. They're building yes. a case against Roger Clemens. Look, I I, I get what you're saying about Clemens. I, I understand it completely. Bonds, for me, is the easier one to put in if I'm going to say, was he good enough without steroids? to be in the Hall of Fame. And and I think any anybody that you vote for that was suspected or it was caught or what there's got to be something on the plaque that says it. Played in the steroid era and had the mark of steroids on his name or there was a shadow of a doubt. However they want to phrase it, that's how it should be when you vote these guys in. That's at least how I feel. Now, Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer before his head swelled three sizes too big like the Grinch. Okay, but that was the heart. His was the head. He he became like he looked like a different person, like Sammy Sosa, who you couldn't even recognize on the street right now because of all the all the drugs. All right. So, I mean, like to me, he was a Hall of Famer before he did it. It's been 10 years. I'm okay voting him in. I had him on my ballot. I did put Clemens in. And the reason I put Clemens in is because I feel like before the steroids, Roger Clemens, I still think was probably a Hall of Famer. Uh, he did do the majority of his stuff though. And he did really like solidify that case later on in his career. But if I'm going to vote for Mark Burley, 
into the Hall of Fame, I still think the pre-steroid Roger Clemens is probably good enough to get in. I also voted for Burley. Um, I, I know that sounds like a Homer thing, but I, I brought up some stats that I kind of wanted to, to highlight when you talk about Mark Burley. Mark Burley had a wins above replacement, a B-war on baseball reference of 59.1. He had a walks and hits per innings pitched of 1.281 over his career. He had a career ERA of 3.81, 214 and 160, and he pitched over 3,200 innings. Now, when you bring up the list of Hall of Fame pitchers, first of all, there are, and it even includes Babe Ruth because he pitched for a while, 88 pitchers, whether they be relievers or starters, in the Hall of Fame. Now, uh, first of all, I'm one of those people that right away tells you there's too many people in the Hall of Fame, okay? It probably should be like about 55 of those guys in the Hall of Fame. That That's my Hall of Fame. My Hall of Fame, like you're the best of the best of the best. One guy gets in a year, maybe. Like that's, that's kind of how I see it. But that's not really what it is. So so it's it's you're the best around and nothing's ever going to keep you down? Right. You're, you're Maverick, Goose, Iceman. You're like the guys winning the trophy. You're Cougar before he got, before he got spooked. Right. Be, you're, exactly. Before that, you're the best of the best. You're the guys that win the trophy, get the plaque on the wall in Top Gun. Not the one in the ladies room, the one on the wall in the office where they make the joke about that. Like that's who you are if you're getting into the Hall of Fame, in my mind. But that isn't the case. When I compare Mark Burley's stats to the pitchers that are currently in the Hall of Fame, let's start with something that is pretty indisputable, and that's wins above replacement. The value that he had to his team in terms of creating wins. The average pitcher in the Hall of Fame had 66 wins above replacement over 17 seasons. Mark Burley had 59.1 over 16 seasons. He is just off the pace of the average. When you when you look at pitchers that had less wins above replacement than Mark Burley, and remember he had 16 years to amass it, let's kind of go down the list of guys that, that don't have the numbers he had that are currently in the Hall of Fame. Jim Cott, 25 seasons, 45 wins above replacement. Jack Morris, 18 seasons. You know, Jack Morris pitched for a long time, then Mark Burley came around and pitched for two less seasons and amassed 16 more wins above replacement with less seasons that he was out there. And in fact, let's be honest, Jack Morris is the only reason that I can make the argument when I look at Burley's ERA, because he's the only guy that's going to have a worse ERA than, than Mark Burley in the Hall of Fame if he gets in with a 3.90 for his career and Burley with the 3.81. But as I go down here, Catfish Hunter, 36. You know, th- there are guys that we've put into the Hall of Fame that have not been as valuable to their team as Mark Burley. And then, and then here's a guy that goes out and pitches a ridiculous amount of innings in an era where it was just not happening. People weren't doing that anymore. He's got over 3,200 innings. The average starting pitcher is at about 3,500 in the Hall of Fame. He's again sitting right dead smack in the middle, basically, of Hall of Famers in the amount of, of innings he went on provided to his team. He did a lot better than other guys that are sitting in there. I mean, Roy Halladay went out there for the same amount of seasons. He only had 2,700. You put him in the Hall of Fame. So I guess I guess my, my argument for Mark Burley is when I look at what he did and you have the perfect game and you have the no-hitter and you have the fact that he led a team to a World Series, we just had on Adam Kaplan from Sox on 35th in, in the previous episode of this show. 
and he breaks down the best one-season pitching performances on the White Sox over the last 20 years. Burley's was the best one, and he did it in the year that they went out and won the World Series. He pitched in a game and came back and pitched in relief. So to me, it's very, very difficult for somebody to, to explain to me why he is probably going to be just across the line to remain on the ballot, when in reality, he should be a guy with 50, 60% of the vote right now, building towards making it into the hall. I, I'm, I, you know, and, and meanwhile, I got to turn around, I got to look at David Ortiz, who I didn't put on my ballot, you did, and Dick Allen isn't in the Hall of Fame, but he's got better stats, he's got more wins above replacement, he was, he was more valuable to his team than Ortiz, and he did it in less seasons. To me, it's funny to me that with the East Coast bias, Ortiz is an automatic in, and I think he's a Hall of Famer. I don't know if he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he's a Hall of Famer. But I, I also think of Mark Burley's a Hall of Famer. I think it's one of the it's going to be one of the great tragedies to watch him get knocked off the ballot or or not grow in the amount of support that he has and eventually not get into the Hall of Fame. He really, I think, belongs in there. Socks in the basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Yeah, Morris is the one that, that makes me think that, like you said, that that really makes the case for Burley because Morris's entire candidacy was built around him coming up in these big, important moments, right? World Series moments, you know, these things that he did that were were above and beyond. Well, Burley's got that. And, and I, you know, people talk about the perfect game and the no-hitter. I don't think enough people really remember that the no-hitter was basically a perfect game because he walks Sosa and then proceeds to pick him off. It's almost like he did that just because he needed to throw a pickoff on the reel. And, and <laughs> that's something that Burley did constantly. I mean, it, it, that that alone, and it was a close pitch too, but that alone, I mean, he is centimeters away from having two perfect games on his resume, which would be enough, I think, you know, for any other pitcher, not to mention the World Series, and the fact that, you know, throughout those playoffs, the things that he did, plus he had, I mean, he had a scoreless streak. He had, I mean, there was just, it, it, there was a lot to Mark Burley's career in terms of big moments. But you're right about the East Coast bias thing. And I don't know that you could say that Morris got the East Coast bias when he did, but there is this sort of perception out there that, you know, the 2005 White Sox don't get mentioned with, a lot of the great champions of the last 20 years, even though they went 11 and one in the playoffs and things like that. So it will take a lot for Burley to get into the hall in terms of people coming around and recognizing it. But you're right about that. Statistically, he is right there. You can make the case for him. 
And he's got the big moments on the resume. Because that's the other thing about Ortiz. You bring up David Ortiz. Ortiz's stats, not he's not the greatest hitter in the history of the game. I mean, he's in with 500 home runs. 500 home runs is great, but but he's he's largely in. I think Ortiz is largely in because... He's Big Poppy. He was the leader of those Red Sox teams that were so competitive and won World Series during his playing days. And that's that's where people sit there and go, he was one of the faces of the game. That's that's what gets him in. 500 home runs is great, but I, I think we are also going to come to a point where 500 home runs doesn't automatically put you in this, into the hall anyway. Like, I hate the idea of... Well, they're not a first ballot Hall of Famer, so I'm not going to vote for him for the second year. I, I generally absolutely hate that idea. But there's this little part of me, that's why I left him off my ballot. I don't like the idea of him sitting next to Frank Thomas on the Fox broadcast when they they can now reference that they're both first ballot Hall of Famers when David Ortiz isn't even in the same ballpark as Big Hurt. No. Yeah, and, and, and that's so absolutely true. That, I think that's the thing that gets me, and that's why I left him off the ballot. It was petty. It was mean. It was wrong. But well, I, you know I still what? Did it anyway. for, for comedic purposes, for baseball analysis, pre and post game analysis, then the voters should leave David Ortiz off so that Frank has something to rib him about, and Ortiz has something to go back and Frank about. So, exactly. Yeah, Although I, I think I think he's going to be the only guy that gets in. I, that's my that's my guess too. here. I mean, I might be wrong by the time people listen to this because this comes out on Tuesday morning and Tuesday evening. We're going to find out. But my suspicion is so many of the writers are going to do this at the last second. Yeah, he's going to be the last one. All right. So here, go, let's go over the rest of my picks here real quick. I got uh, Bonds, Burley, Clemens, as I mentioned. I put Todd Helton in because I don't know why he keeps getting treated like he wasn't a good baseball player. He was. and Because of the Rockies. It, it confuses me. I mean, like if you play for the Rockies, like everything you do means nothing. Uh, Jeff Kent. It is so surprising to me that Jeff Kent is not a, a Hall of Famer or at least close to getting into the Hall of Fame at this point. I voted for him, and I voted for Scott Rowland, a great defensive third baseman. I voted for Gary Sheffield. I feel like he is undervalued, and I voted for Kurt Schilling because even if you don't agree with the guy, I, I to me, based upon the moments that he had and the things that he did and how much he meant the teams that he was on in at certain points in his career, and then looking at his overall stats, I make the argument to put him in. I think Burley and I, Schilling I forgot should to mention, be in. I think I, I did have Schilling on my, my mind as well, and and uh, I agree. You can't you can't let a guy's personality get into it because otherwise Ty Cobb would have never been in the Hall of Fame. Right? Yeah, Ty Cobb wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. We went by personality. The awful things that Ty Cobb said and did, and it, just watch the Ty Cobb movie. Like you'll cringe. You'll and cringe. They toned it down. Yeah, they did. They made it. They made it soft for you. Like he was just the most awful human being. He used to purposely slide into second base with his spikes up to ruin people's lives by putting his metal spikes through their legs, knowing that they didn't have the medical ability to fix the <laughs> infection that would normally result. Right. Like, he was literally trying to make you amputate your leg as, was, a, as a middle infielder. He was trying to murder you on the baseball yes. diamond. <laughs> like, I mean, like, and then this man is in the Hall of Fame. So, please, I like, like to, to me, I think if you take away your personal opinions about Kurt Schilling, Kurt Schilling, I think, is in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Now, uh, and, and here's the other thing. I've been one of these people I don't like the steroid users. I didn't put Alex Rodriguez on my ballot because I don't know how long he was cheating. And he's right. kind of a jerk. Like, he's got the jerk factor, and I don't know how long he was cheating. Like, I'm sure he was doing it for a long... Like, I feel like with Alex Rodriguez, he was doing it for a long time. That's, I mean, I can't prove it, but I feel it. Well, that, that whole era, with the exception of maybe Frank Thomas, that whole era, anybody who did well 
there's automatically that sort of guess. But there's some people we know. There's some people that have just come out and basically admitted it or it's been proven. Right. And so to me, like I, I haven't I'm not voting for A-Rod because I can pinpoint almost when Barry Bonds started cheating. I have a very hard time figuring that out with Alex Rodriguez. And so to me, because he was also younger, so he might have gotten into it a lot of it a lot sooner. And, th- and that's one of the things that, like that. I have no proof again. But like for me, when it came time to check the box, I was like, I don't know, man. He might have been on those things that really early, really early he could have been right, on those things. Right. So to me, I have a I have a hard time uh, checking off his name. So it, let, let's get into real quick. Like, you, I mean, you have your guys that you put on there and I have mine that I put on there. We have our reasons and some of them are, are good reasons and some of them are stupid reasons. I still I truly you could hear in my voice how much I care about the Mark Burley thing. Like to me. All you have to do is simply grab the list of baseball players, of pitchers that are in the Hall of Fame and start comparing his stats and ones that really matter to them. And the one thing that hurts him is he doesn't have 300 wins, but I dare you to find a lot of pitchers that are going to do that from his era and beyond. The 300 win thing is is impossible at this point. It's just you you don't have guys doing what they did when they got 300 wins. If you look back at when pitchers were getting 300 wins and when they had those opportunities, one of the things that was going on was they were making, you know, we get we get about 32 starts a year out of a pitcher, right? And you go back and you look in earlier eras of baseball, you would have guys that were going out there and making 35 plus starts. I mean, th- there were guys that were going out every couple of days. And it, it wasn't a five-man rotation even. It might have been a four, might have been a three, might have just been, hey, you good to go? Yeah, hell, I'll go. And and doing it that way. So, first of all, they got more starts in. And secondly, I think what has happened, too, is as you get out of a like a dead ball era of baseball where everything was a pitcher's duel. Nowadays, what Mark Burley was able to do to neutralize offense is to even get you know the amount of wins that he had and spend the amount of time on the mound that he spent – is more of the metric. And I think war is going to end up being more of the metric for pitchers going forward. But also you said there's 88 pitchers over the course of how many, you know, how many decades of baseball. So the fact that he's in that exclusive of a group, even, even if you think there's too many of them, you know, it's still, it, it, it just, it just baffles me how little credit he gets. Remember, Double Play Saloon in Blue Island, first of all, a great bar. Big, long bar in there. Uh, they've got all kinds of TVs up there, all kinds of stations for you to play darts. It's a darts bar, and they have a darts league. Starting on Thursdays, it's a handicapped dart league with games played every Thursday at 7.30, and they're having a big sign-up event coming up here on February the 3rd, starting at 7.30, going until 9.30. All levels welcome, three to eight players per team so you can have a small team you can have a big team and that season is going to be going on for a while it starts february 17th they also have a beanbag league 10 weeks long four to eight players per team it happens every sunday afternoon and into the early evening that doesn't start until the 27th of february you can sign up now though all the way through the super bowl for that league questions you want to sign up Call or text Tommy for details, 773-574-0992. They've got daily $5 basket lunch specials, $13 Miller, and Bud Family Buckets. And never forget the temperature soup. 
The lower it is outside, the cheaper the soup. And it's good soup. They've got a great menu. Check it out. Their Facebook page puts up all the different things that they have available. It's a great follow. Newly remodeled private gaming area, and it's all at 13011 Western Avenue on the island. That's Blue Island, a Southsiders paradise, double play saloon. Proud, proud advertisers of Socks in the Basement. When I when I look at what's going to happen, it seems like Bonds is getting a push with the guys that have put their ballots out, but it also feels like, it, it, it seems like the guys that don't vote for him don't release their ballot. You know, the sports writers that don't, that don't vote for him, a lot of them don't release their ballot. They don't feel like having the argument, so they don't put him on there. So I don't think he's going to make it. I don't think Clemens is going to make it. I don't think Schilling is going to make it. I, I honestly think that the only guy that's going to make it is going to be Ortiz. And I and to me, when I look at this giant list of players, the fact that David Ortiz is going to be the only guy out of it that makes it into the Hall of Fame really discredits the Hall of Fame. You have this situation now in, in the era of social media where there's a lot more pressure on the writers to say who they're voting for and, and fans demanding transparency and writers making a point of saying, I'm not voting for this guy because, and taking the moral stand, where I think when when the writers were first tabbed to put guys in the Hall of Fame, it was more because they had the opportunity to watch them. They were not involved in the game. They were the journalists were objective observers. So you were saying, okay, take your objective observations of these guys. Take all the time you spent covering these teams. And go ahead and tell us what you think about this guy. Is this guy worthy of enshrinement? And it makes sense. And I'm not saying that the baseball writers that are currently out there don't have that objective sense about them. But I do think we have seen more grandstanding in the past couple of years where you've got guys who are sitting there saying, I'm making a stand against this player or I'm making a stand against the steroid era or if you're going to do this, you you can't do that. So I'm not going to vote for this guy or just even, even having that sort of, like you said earlier, I'm not voting for anybody who's a first ballot guy. I don't, ex- I, I don't think first ballot guys should exist, you know, and you got that stuff going on too, where, where you, you've got some weird ideas, but we know about it. And I think that drives fans nuts too, because we know who as fans, we believe were the faces of the game and were the important players in the game. And we have our own opinions as fans, too, but we don't get a vote. We don't well, get a we say. can't have a vote. We can't have a vote. I mean, look at yeah. look at the fan ballot for SoxOn35th.com. You can't give the fans the vote. Mark Burley was the only one that got in in their fan vote. And think about that. Which means, which means the future would be Hall of Famer Larry Garcia. <laughs> it's so true. It's 100% true. He would, he would be a Hall of Famer. They would find a way. All right, listen, before we get out of here, um, I had somebody send me an email or a message through SoxInTheBasement.com. You can you can send comments through. You can review shows. You can you can leave voicemails. It's very interactive. You can search up anything that we've done. You can check out all the old episodes. Everything's on demand there. And the thing that was said to me or that was written in this uh, message was that it's impossible for anybody to beat Liam Hendricks in the $1,000 guest bounty. And so, you know, I would have, I would have submitted something was the message I got, but, but why do it when it's so clear that Liam will end up winning 
The $1,000 guest bounty brought to you by Elite Benefits of America. Butch Zemar wants to help your small and mid-sized company with their insurance. It doesn't matter if open enrollment is over. The process takes a while, especially when you're changing over insurance and getting things lowered down. Uh, check Butch out and everything that he has to offer. Get to work on it now at EliteBenefits.net. I wanted to ask you, do you think it's a done deal or which one of the interviews that we did is your favorite? So far, it's Sampson, Hendricks, and Berger. Because to me... I enjoy talking to Liam Hendricks, and he may be the big one with the star power, but right. I laughed my butt off throughout the Jake Berger one. Like, as an interviewer, I, and this is not to say anything bad about Liam Hendricks, I'd love to have him back on the show, but the Jake Berger one, I had so much fun with that. Like, I would have Jake Berger on once a week. He was hysterical. Oh, yeah. So I, that, to, when somebody says that it's automatic who's going to win this thing, I think they're, I think they're wrong about that because everybody's going to have different opinions. And if you made me vote right now, I might click on the on the burger name when it comes time to actually put this out for the fans to vote on to find out who wins the thousand dollars. You want you want to hear an unpopular opinion? What between those three guys? I actually think Liam was maybe third. I mean, he is a charming guy. He is fun to talk to. He also had a motorcycle gang riding next to him through half the interview, so that made it hard. I, I, well, there, there was that. Yeah, I, I, the audio was a little bit of an issue, but I'm not even getting into the technical stuff. I thought I, Liam said some interesting stuff, but I thought you're right. Jake Berger was hysterical. He was a lot of fun to talk to. But from sure baseball knowledge standpoint, I, the David Sampson interview, there was a lot of good stuff in the David Sampson interview. He's another guy that is really very funny, and I think it gets lost that uh, you know, you're talking about two White Sox players versus a guy who was a major league executive, but not for a Chicago team. So he doesn't have that local power. But in terms of things that he had to say in content wise, I, I, Samson was, you know, above the other two guys in terms of the things that he could bring to the table and the things that he talked about. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's a done deal because I think if you listen to the interviews, I think people will have differing opinions and it's also, it's not necessarily that we're going to say, you know, that, that we're going to encourage people to vote for just the biggest name we had on. It's the best interview, right? So give them a listen, you know, yeah. give, give Jake Berger and David Sampson a second listen and don't just write it off because you saw Liam Hendricks there. Also, you know, there's nothing saying that um, who you were going to nominate doesn't turn out to be, you know, just one of the one of the best interviews anybody's ever had or, or has some, you know, something groundbreaking or earth shattering to say. I mean, let us, you know, let us let us put them on the air and then let's see what. Ha- well, I mean, and that's the thing I, I, you know, I've had now a couple of messages over the last couple of weeks. We have some other ones that right now we're in the process of trying to figure out, like, can we get it done? Uh, some names have been thrown our way. Uh, this thing's going to continue through February in terms of you getting in your entry, and then they're going to end up on the show through mid-March, and then the vote happens in the back half of March. So there's plenty of time, but you really want to get your entry in before the end of February. So it is it is starting to run out. I've had a lot of people say, well, I have one, but I don't know if it's good enough because it, it might not be able to beat what you've already done yet. I think you got to let the listeners decide that. And we also have a few others that I think we're pretty close on as we're working them out. So we're going to have a few more guests that are going to jump into this thing. So it's not just going to be those three guys. And it doesn't have to be somebody that just talks baseball, right? Like it could be anybody. Like, let me tell you who right. gets my vote. You get Anna Kendrick down here at my bar, you win automatically. I'm not even putting it up for a vote, okay? <laughs> Also, you, I'm guessing I'm not allowed at the bar that day. So. <laughs> no, it would just be me and her. I'm going to make my wife go out. 
Like, uh, you right. know, well, supposedly she's dating Bill Hader, so maybe Bill Ooh. and I can go get a beer. Right, she likes goofy guys that tell terrible jokes, so I, I got a shot still. I got a shot, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.